blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. Adam, I'm guessing you're pretty excited about this one because I'm pretty sure this is an album you've been wanting to talk about for a while. It is. Uh, this is a band and an album that meant a lot to me in like my high school years. Um, I absolutely would say there was a point in my life where Our Lady Peace was my favorite band. Where if someone mm-hmm. was going to be like, hey, what is your, you know, yeah, exactly, who's your top guys right now? And it was it was around this time, it was around this high school and whatnot, um, that Our Lady Peace was that group to me. And this is really the album that got me into them. Uh, and that's Our Lady Peace, Spiritual Machines. So... I remember how I was introduced to the band because it was you who introduced me to them. Um, and and not not to sound it's gonna be weird to not sound belittle, belittling when I say this, but it's actually kind of it was actually kind of rare for you to introduce oh, yeah. me to music because normally I would be being the older brother, especially being five years older, I would have listened to a lot of stuff. And certainly Our Lady Peace was a band I'd heard of. But had never had any interest in until you said, no, John, you've got to listen to this album. And it was specifically this album that I remember you introducing me to. Yeah, I I don't take that as a slight or a belittling at all, because it's absolutely true. Like, you know, when I'm in middle school and you're in high school, you're you're much more into finding new music and you're you're Mm -hmm. you're in different bands as well. And so particular, you helped bring me into a lot of different things that I've come to adore. But you're right. This one. And I, I wish I could remember exactly how I found them. It very possibly could have just been through. MTV, something like that, or mm-hmm. other friends. Um, I don't have like a specific story that I remember, but I do remember that this this was one that I got so excited for. And then and then you, much like how I started to really like bands that you brought me into, you got into Our Lady Peace and you enjoyed them. Oh, I I would say now, while Spiritual Machines is the one that introduced me to them, Gravity was the album that yeah. I really grasped on, and I think that was because. At that point, Gravity felt like it was more, not necessarily my album versus your album, but mm-hmm. it felt more personal because at that point, oh, now I'm following this band when they first release an album. It's not something yeah, that I'm enough. hearing, you know, months or even years after the fact. It was like, oh, this is a new release. And I really got into them through then. And, and while I did love this one, if I had, you know, a gun to my head, probably Gravity would be my favorite one, which I think most people would say because I'm pretty sure that was their biggest commercial success yeah it was gravity. definitely their biggest success um it's it's funny i i i tend to go after this album this is how i found them and then i kind of went backwards and i bought okay. all of their previous stuff so i bought their first three three different albums and there's some of those that i just i mean happiness is not a fish that you can catch it's just uh might be my favorite from them maybe mm. spiritual machines being a close second uh, maybe not i but even even like the Naveed album, I fucking love. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. just, they're honestly like you, I probably own their, I don't know if you own all of their, I own like the first, I think six albums is what I have. And there's not a bad album among them. I can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> they're all very um, listenable. I actually did not go much 
earlier than Spiritual Machines. Okay. Um, I did I did buy Superman's Dead because I, yeah. I did like that song, and that was <laughs> probably their first... I think so. Their the first, first like, big single that yeah. I think they crossed into the U.S., because they are a Canadian band. Um, I did buy the album after Gravity and was kind of disappointed by it. Yeah. I kind of stopped um, listening after that. Par- Paranoid in Normal Times or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I agree. It, it, there, there was like literally two or three songs that I could pull out that I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to these, but not like the whole album is play- mm-hmm. playable like all of those previous five. Yeah. Paranoid in Healthy uh, Times, I think it was. I'm not even looking, but I'm pretty sure it's something like that. <laughs> something like that. I, yeah, I kind of I lost interest in that. Um, so, yes, we are going to do Spiritual Machines by Our Lady Peace. Uh, now, the album was released in Canada first, and then in a few months later in the U.S. on December 12th, 2000, two days after I turned 20 years old. Woo! So, for some reason, I had it in my head that this, this album was a 90s album, but yeah. it is definitely not. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it's right on the cusp there, but... Yeah, and they do have some of those earlier albums that are those late 90s, you know, and it's got that late 90s alt-rock sound for sure. Oh, it does. Yeah, for sure. And then they clean, you're right, and then when Gravity comes out, they kind of have a slightly cleaner, almost more pop-ish rock sound. But it was it is, a much but, more produced album, yes, much it is more, more produced, produced song. Yeah, I agree, but, it, but not in a bad way, because that is a no. really good album. And I think that was probably on purpose, um, and I'll, I'll talk about this now since we're kind of talking about that. They intended this album to have a much more live sound. Mm. Um, I think they recorded a lot of these songs in a sort of live setting, meaning they were all playing together, where as opposed to tracking the parts individually, there was not a lot of overdubs. There was a lot of minimal instrumentation on this one. So they were really trying to kind of capture a more organic live sound. Okay, cool. Uh, The producers on this one... uh, uh, one was uh, Rain Maeda. Maeda. I'm not sure how to say his name. Yeah, I mean he's the lead singer. Um, yeah. I I I fuck it up. I, I actually bought his uh, solo, <laughs> his first solo album that he did as well. And, I, and there's a couple songs in there. Were like, yeah, okay, Maeda. I'm gonna go Maeda. Okay, we'll say Maeda. Uh, he was one of the producers. Also, a guy named Arnold Lani, um, who was a Canadian producer who's uh, produced a couple of other bands I've heard, Finger Eleven, Simple Plan. Yeah. Uh, mostly and uh, mostly other Canadian bands, but. To me, the biggest name on here is Brandon O'Brien. Who? If you if you've <laughs> never heard of this man, you are not familiar with '90s and 2000s music. Hey, I am familiar with '90s and 2000s <laughs> music, John. I just <laughs> I'm just gonna give you a taste of some of the albums that this man has either been a mixer, an engineer, or a producer for. Okay. All right, because he's kind of known for being a producer and mixer, which is really cool. Every single one of Pearl Jam's albums. I've heard of that band, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Temple of the Dog album. Oh, uh, you know Blood that's... Sugar, oh. Blood Sugar Sex Magic by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, that's huge. Um, the first four Stone Temple Pilots albums. Uh, Aerosmith's Get a Grip. Sun, uh, Soundgarden's Super Unknown. He was the mixer on that one. Uh, wow. Let's see here. Uh, Rage Against the Machines, Evil Empire, and the Battle for a uh, Battle of Los Angeles. Corn's Issues, um, several Offspring's albums, several Bruce Springsteen albums. Um, Incubus is if not if not now when. Uh, Seether, The Killers. I mean, just the list is enormous. Wow. Okay, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I specifically remembered him um, 
as a Stone Temple Pilots guy because I remember watching some uh, stuff on Stone Temple Pilots earlier years and his name coming up. So immediately I recognized this guy as, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. And he was specifically hired to be the mixer. Okay. Um, and he kind of helped produce some of the stuff as well. But uh, it, it sounds like they had a really great time with him because he got the idea of what they were trying to do with the kind of more live sound. He didn't yeah. want to overmix them or overproduce everything, which is good because as someone who's kind of learning to mix mm-hmm. right now in the process of schooling that I'm going through, much like I'm sure a lot of things, you kind of have to learn when to not overmix mm-hmm. and when to pull back and when to just let the sound be natural and, mm-hmm. and you know, all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Okay. I'll talk about the personnel, and then we're going to kind of talk about the whole con- the album as a concept. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's got some weird stuff to it. Um, so the personnel on the album are uh, the main band, which is Rain Maida on vocals, Mike Turner on guitars, who I believe is no longer with the band. Yeah, I think this was his last album with them. Yeah. Actually, uh, Jeremy Taggart, who was drums, except for two tracks, which we'll talk about, who was also not in, no longer in the band. Um, Jamie Edwards, who played keyboards and guitar, and Duncan Coots, I'm guessing, plays yeah. bass. And there's a couple of other people who came in. There's a guy named Tyler Lanny who sings on kind of one of the in-between tracks, which we'll talk about. And then there's two other notable ones. One is Matt Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt Cameron, <laughs> the drummer from Soundgarden, the original drummer for Soundgarden, and the current drummer for Pearl Jam. I mean, he's definitely in my top, I'd say... Five drummers of all time for me. Uh, he he was monumental in my development yeah. as a musician and a drummer. He was, if you'd asked me in the late 90s who my favorite drummer was before the sentence even finished <laughs> leaving your mouth, I would have said Matt Cameron. <laughs> Matt Cameron from Soundgarden. Yeah. I just love his musicality. I love what he can do with the drum set. Mm-hmm. You know, he thinks of it in ways that I still can't fathom, That's you know. Cool playing and he recorded drums on two songs but and interestingly enough it's because he was friends with jeremy taggart the drummer mm-hmm. and taggart actually had his ankle broken in a mugging i saw that doing my research on this i was like holy <laughs> shit he was out walking his dog yeah. and got mugged damn <laughs> and so he just you know casually called his friend matt cameron from pearl jam and soundgarden said hey could you finish these two tracks and the funny thing is is Taggart had already written the parts, so Matt Cameron basically just played what Jeremy Taggart had already so, created. For so he was basically a huge name studio drummer for that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's it's good to have friends in high places. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I mean, seeing that name definitely surprised me. Like, oh shit. Yeah, I, I had the same job. I was like, really? That's awesome. And on one of those songs is my favorite song on the album, which we'll talk about when we get to it. Okay. Um, the other name I'm going to mention is Ray Kurzweil, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but that's how I'm going to say it. And he is very important to this album. Yeah. In fact, this album may not have really come together as an album if it weren't for this man, and he's the narrator throughout the album. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is back in 1999, Ray Kurzweil, Kurzweil man, I'm going to have a hard time saying that name. Kurzweil. <clears throat> that's my Kurzweil. Ger- the ger- Kurzweil. Except I don't think he's German, is he? Uh, I don't think so. Don't <laughs> but think so. the name screams German looking at it. <laughs> yeah, but you got to say it like an American. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a book called The Age of Spiritual Machines. And there's some other stuff after that, but that's the only part I remember. Yep. Uh, and uh, Mike Turner got a hold of this book while they were on tour 
for when they were touring for their previous album. And he became enthralled with it and he began to read passages to the band on the tour bus during this tour. Mm-hmm. And at some point those those quotes started started to impact um Rain Maida's songwriting and it was showing up in his lyrics and the songs he was writing while they were on tour. In fact, all of the songs in this album were written by Rain Maida. Mm-hmm. And he said that doesn't normally happen. It just kind of lined itself up this way for this album. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw I mean th- this is and you're leading your way into it, but I'll just take the reins. Yeah, of take that. us there. Take us there. This is a conceptual album based heavily on that book, which is a lot about the way machines and even like artificial intelligence and, and how humans and machines will interact through time and how they'll kind of take over kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, very 1984, which I say that not uh, I say that specifically because there's references kind of to that, I think, in the book and then also in this al- in this album um, mm-hmm. and some of the quotes that we've got here. Uh, so you have these interstitials that we're not going to go. I don't know. How, we're not going to listen. To, we're not going to. Hey, you're not going to play them because some yeah. of them are fucking six seconds long. And they're kind of it's just right. weird. Um, and some of them are way too long. And yeah. A little weird. And- <laughs> yeah. But this whole album uh, was it's, it's telling you this story of kind of the spirit. Well, it's not really doing a full, full blown story, but it is, it is kind of giving you these ideas. And it's, it's just this whole thing that's wrapped around this book, age of spiritual machines, which I'd never heard of, honestly. I um, neither. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't even know that that's what this album was until I did the research for it. I was just like, I just, I know I like the music and yeah. I will flat out say when I was younger, I just deleted those songs from my iTunes or deleting the, the, the talking bits 100%. I, uh, I went through, actually it was funny. I went through my iTunes to listen to this and I noticed I had a lot of tracks missing mm-hmm. and I was like, I better redownload the album just in case. And I did. And I realized that the only tracks I were missing yeah. were all those little intermediate ones with all the talking. I'm like, yeah, now I see why I did that. Yep. Uh, absolutely did that. Uh, yeah, there's just, I'm not usually a big fan of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not what made me love this album. I'll give you, right. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the stuff up front I wanted to talk about. Did you have anything else you want to add for us? Just a couple small things. Uh, apparently last year, Our Lady Peace announced that they'd be releasing a sequel to this album called Spiritual Machines 2. Uh, and it's expected to kind of have a release sometime here in 2021. Yeah, I noticed that. I'm, 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 I'm hesitant. <laughs> yes, but I'm, I'm happy they're releasing new music. Um, yeah. I, some of their new album, newer albums, I need to go back and, and give a try because um, I have found that there's a couple of bands where they've released album. You know, they were popular in the '90s and they've kind of disappeared, but they're still releasing albums. Yeah, and you go back and you listen, and you're like, you know what? They're actually putting out some pretty good stuff, but nobody's listening to it because nobody's listening to rock anymore. Yeah. So that's True. the problem. You know, these bands are releasing albums. So I'm 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 going to give them a chance, obviously. Yeah. I mean they, they um, had something as recent as twenty eighteen was their last album before this kind of new Spiritual Machines two is gonna potentially mm-hmm. happen. But and they had yeah, they had one in twenty twelve, twenty two thousand and nine, and then the previous one was the healthy and paranoid times that we had kind of talked about. Um that we kind of both of us kind of seemed to drop away from them after yeah. that. But yeah, I, I'm curious. I mean, that's three more albums that I have no idea what they are like, what their sound, how they've kind of evolved. And I'm 
curious about checking that out, especially if they're going to bring us a new Spiritual Machines uh, type of album. So, yeah. I wonder if they're still working with uh, Ray Kurzweil for that one. Yeah. uh, You know what? I bet that that would make sense. Uh, And then... Uh, upon release of this album in the U.S., it spent a total of four weeks on the Billboard 200. It only peaked at 81. So this was not a massively popular album um, for, you know, or just when it comes to, like, pop and rock music in general. Right. Um, but this uh, this was an album, yeah, uh, and we've, we've mentioned these kind of albums before where I wholeheartedly remember, I mean, you were off in college by the time this album hit right. and the, when I was starting to listen to it, but, uh, I, I mean, our our bedroom that became my bedroom was a place of, of music. I don't know. Inspiration to me. It was, it was, an mm-hmm. impl- it was, it was for, in my life. That bedroom was an important place for music for me because we had like our three piece stereo, uh, you know, with a CD player mm-hmm. that we would play on it usually like at night and just sleep, fall asleep to that kind of stuff. But that was where I would put on music and it would be my listening room for music and this was yeah. an album I would put on and I could I I have like a distinct memory of just laying on the floor just kind of looking up and just absorbing listening to this album. I tell you what that's something that I don't do as much anymore and I think I need to make time for. Yeah. I need to find maybe and it may maybe need to be something that I do with new music mm-hmm. or or something cuz I know there's to get some new stuff um uh, I don't know about you, and I'm I'm sorry I'm kind of taking this diatribe, yep. but I often find, you know, I'd, I've heard this, and I can gather my thoughts here. I've often heard that pretty much once you reach the age of about 30, you don't really listen to a lot of new music. <laughs> You've kind of set in your ways, and I, I, I like to think that, oh, no, I'd listen, and I do listen to a lot of new music, but not like I used to. You're you're not so at all, right. <laughs> not at all like I used to. I, at this point, it's I pick out songs, and usually I'm a I'm a late to the party kind of guy. Like mm-hmm. there, if there's a song that's popular, I won't get into it until it's not popular right. anymore. The and party like, don't uh, stop till John walks in. <laughs> that one, even that's <laughs> old as shit. That's not. I a, don't even know. That, I don't even know that one. I, I think it's like an LMFAO song. Oh okay. Oh, it don't stop. Oh no no. That was, I think that's uh. <laughs> Make it drop. I think it's Katy Perry. Never mind. Or no, no, no. It's TikTok. TikTok by uh, Kesha. Sorry, I'm all over the place. <laughs> wow. Um, but I, I need to make time for for listening to some new stuff. I actually yeah. recently downloaded um uh, the Foo Fighters' new album, which just came out a month ago. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to buy the whole album and I'm going to listen to the whole al- the whole album. And I have to say, I'm finding some pretty good gems in there that I'm really liking. Now, granted, it's the Foo Fighters. Like, they put out yeah. some pretty good rocking stuff that's commercially viable and listenable and stuff like that. And I'm I'm still enjoying it. But I was like, I was actually happy with myself. I'm like, good for you, John. You're actually listening to something mm-hmm. that's new yeah. that just came out. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm doing it. And so I'm trying to do that more and more. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be laying on the floor doing it, yeah. but... You know, relaxing, putting on some headphones mm-hmm. just to get the sound away from ever, of everything else and just kind of absorb the music. And I just, I don't do it as much anymore. And I think we as adults don't do that as much anymore. Obviously, we don't have as much time. We have work. We have responsibilities. Every now and then, I think we need to do it. Uh, beautifully put. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. All right. Let's get into this album. I'm excited to talk about these songs. 
first off, we have one of our quick little intros, and they're all listed RK something, which I'm sure stands for Ray Kurzweil. Yeah, I would imagine so. And most of these are actually uh, excerpts from his book. Mm-hmm. And the first one's an intro, and it's literally just him saying 10 to 15 million years ago, the universe was born. And then we hop into our first song, which is called Right Behind You, Parenthetical Mafia. Come and taste like a man to try to take your mind away. Hey, hey, I don't know, but I believe in yesterday and what it means to bleed. I know that you're okay. Are you waiting? No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what I'm always right there behind you. So right off the bat, if you've never heard this band before, you are hit with Rain Maida's very, very distinctive singing style. Yeah, yeah, he's got he, there's there's aspects of nasally in there. Yeah. There's aspects of falsetto that he drops in there quite a bit mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but yeah, it is you can pick him out of a fucking lineup. Yeah, um, which is funny because you don't hear it as much in Gravity as you do in his previous stuff. And I think I really hate to say it, I think that's probably why they had a lot more commercial success. They were like, "Can you just sing more normal?" <laughs> Instead of trying to sing like Barry Gibb. But to a lot of people, I can completely understand of that is the band's sound. That is how he's, you know, he sings. Mm-hmm. And you really do get it right out, right out of the gate here. And he does have kind of that, I don't want to say whiny, because it's not whiny, but you're right, nasally sound in the way that he sings and gives him a very distinctive tone. I do like, I've always liked the... Um, the the guitar riff is very simple. It keeps the song moving, mm-hmm. so it gives it. I think it gives it a sort of deceptive um, feel of motion when it's actually a fairly, um, I'd say like a walkable tempo. Mm-hmm. So it's not you know it's not like too fast um, in itself, but the the motion of the guitar gives it that sort of push. Yeah. So. Uh, this was the third and final single that they put out. So first on the album, but uh, the third and final single. Uh, and by the time they put it out, basically the album was shown to be kind of a commercial failure in the mm-hmm. U.S. It just really wasn't hitting as they'd hoped. And so they actually halted the release of the single. Uh, and they and they also halted, they aborted the release of the music video and promoting that and oh. all of the promotional copies of the single were instead uh, distributed to the band's fan club as opposed to like <laughs> trying to sell them. They were just like, ah, oh, well, fuck it. Nobody's going to buy this shit anyway. Let's just give it to the people who love us. Um, which I just find interesting because this is a, this is a good song. This is a mm-hmm. damn good song. Yeah. Um, good energy to it. Uh, you know, there's, you get, I get kind of positive vibes from it. Like even I saw that, um, according to rain, it was written almost as like a, a little bit of a retort to, uh, Kurtzweil, Kurtzweil's predictions, like the, the, you know, of the machines taking over kind of like, you know, which rain noticed that it didn't involve the human spirit in the book. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of like the, the, the bit of the 
or that's been his storytelling talking about, you know, hey, no, no, there is human spirit in there. And apparently the, originally the name was the originally the name of the song was Spirit Mafia or just Mafia. And that's why it has like the uh, the parentheticals of Mafia in there, because it's all about, you know, hey, we are a mafia of we have a spirit, you know, uh, not yeah. like a ghost spirit, but like a, we have a <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, <laughs> energy to us um, camaraderie. And it's like, you know, hey, I'll be. It's like a good like buddy song, you know, hey, no matter what you do, no matter where you are or whatever, I'll be right there behind you. Like you, you feel, I don't know, you feel like somebody's got your back listening to the song and then the good energy and, and the fun vocals and just overall the way he sings. And I love this rock sound like, yeah. you know, we did this alt um, post grunge is really kind of where a lot of, you know, when I, when I was you're right, when I was l- really listening to music. Mm-hmm. Like and, and absorbing music, it was around this time. Like, and I would say even earlier, like I love the grunge, but a lot of that was not you telling me to love grunge, but <laughs> you really loving some of that grunge. And then yeah. I I kind of got it secondhand and I really liked it. But here is some of these songs and some of these music that I was discovering myself. You even mentioned I told you about them. And yeah. so like I had the chance to really get these out and uh, or get, make them mine. Um, and so they mean a lot to me. And so, yeah, great song. Yeah, a lot of a lot of diatribe for great song. <laughs> um, one thing I did actually forget to mention: um, apparently, when they decided to do this as a concept album, half of the songs were actually already written. Okay, um, and that, but they were being influenced by the book that Mike Turner was reading to them, and it was just at some point they decided, you know what, let's just make this a concept album. Hmm. So they specifically reached out to Kurtzweil to say, hey. Is it okay? They asked for permission to name it, and then they came up with the idea of having Kurtzweil actually read passages from his book mm-hmm. uh, for the uh, the in between parts. Actually, apparently, the rest of the band was a little iffy on it. Mm-hmm. They're like they didn't really want to do, try something so heavy, like yeah. as a as a concept. Oh, but yeah. the but uh, Turner and and Maida were kind of like all for it, so they just went with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, I'll save some of my comments to the end about you know does it work <laughs> or not. Right. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on to the next song. In between, we have a, another intermediate part, um, which I'll just kind of read. It says, "The year is 2029. The machines will con- tr- will convince us they are conscious, that they have their own agenda worthy of our respect. They'll embody human qualities and claim to be human, and we'll believe them." 2029 is coming up sooner than we think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a a few eight years away. uh, Now, granted, part of that doesn't seem all that off to me. You're right. (laughs) Eight eight years for for like uh, for conscious machines actually does not seem that implausible, especially with the rate that we are developing new technologies and developing AI. Yeah. The way that like AI and even like virtual reality and all that kind of stuff that where these things could kind of grow from. Hell, we're seeing like these robots that they're building that can like you know, be kicked over and they can get back up and they can like move. And like, it's not, doesn't seem all that far where there's going to be integration of the AI into like bodies. And then that'll become like, they're going to become like visions. They're going to become like, you know, all the other androids that we've seen around on, on comic books that, that Ultrons are going to take over <laughs> or I robots. So that's, yeah, yes, exactly. All right. And that leads us into the second song on the album called in repair. Still wait. 
another really, really good song. Um, I really like, as weird as it sounds, I really like the melody that they have for sort of the chorus, the... I, when he, I'm, I can never yeah, hit he, that. He, you're right. he hit some pretty high notes. He bum, jumps up though, but it's bum, a fun. Da, da, da. Yeah, exactly. He's going up and down. Yeah. He's hitting this high note and then coming back down for the rest of the stuff. And it really, he's really playing to his strengths with this one. Yeah. He's really using that falsetto uh, control that he has and then coming back down for the rest of the stuff to create this really cool duality uh, in his melody. Yeah. Yeah. This was actually, this is the song that I kind of really wrote about his vocals, or at least kind of like they stood out. It, not to say they don't stand out in the uh, first song, but here, you get just doing doing that jumping around. It's just like, wow, damn, he is, he's impressive with what he does. Uh, this song reached number one on the Canadian rock radio charts. Mm-hmm. And it was actually their first single that they put out. Uh, I don't think it really did anything in the US. Um, and Rain stated about the lyrics that they're going to focus upon how people tend to treat each other as machines in our day-to-day life. Uh, we really need to take stock and focus our energy towards those in our lives that matter. Sometimes it seems as if we need an oil change. Yeah, we're in repair. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, y- you mentioned something that just got me thinking. We as Americans are very, very centric in our look at music we we don't tend to look very few we we look very few other places for music uh we do look to the uk a lot for music we do get a lot of that sometimes we'll go to australia um every so often somebody else will poke in from some other company like rammstein from yeah uh germany or you know somebody from you know abba uh, from sweden or or wherever they're from uh, uh, k-pop and j-pop are huge right now true um but our neighbors to the north put out a ton of really, really good music that we don't hear. Yeah. And back in the late aughts, as I'll call them, um, I used to listen to a lot of Sirius XM radio because mm. I had it in my car. Oh, yeah. You, 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 there were a couple of Canadian bands that you totally brought into my life as well. Yes. Yeah. So I, and that happened because there was a Canadian rock radio station on mm-hmm. Sirius XM. Um, there was also a Canadian comedy. There's a lot of great comedians up there that nobody's ever heard of too. But I, I started listening to it because I was like, oh, here's going to be something different. You know, yeah. a lot of the Sirius XM stuff are all themed things. Mm-hmm. And most of them are stuff I've heard before. And I was not really digging on you know, the top 40 radio of the time, I'm still not really digging on it, but it, uh, it presented itself as a way of, Oh, here's some new things I could listen to. And I found some amazing bands because mm-hmm. of it. Uh, Tokyo police club. That was one of the first that came to my mind. Yeah. Um, was a great band. Uh, sweet thing. Is that was the, I was going to say the dance mother song. Yeah. Dance mother such song. A good oh, one. That song is so good. Um, <laughs> There's yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on up there that um and they and they they kind of keep to themselves and kind of rightfully so. They actually have a law and this stemmed from um all, it stemmed from like Canadian radio, Canadian radio stations and TV stations only playing music from the US and they decided at some point, okay, this this certain percentage of music that gets played on the radio has to be Canadian. Okay. It must be homegrown music. Or must be homegrown movies or, or media, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It was a way of getting money to their own, you know, citizens. Also, boostering creativity in their own countries. Oh, hey, 
we're going to invest this much in our own, you know, creative people. That's going to boost your creativity. And it did. And there's a ton of really good stuff. Some of it does come over, you know, to the U.S., like Our Lady Peace. They're a Canadian band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rush. They're, you know, there are things that come over. Yeah. But there's so much that they have that we don't see that is amazing. Okay. And I, uh, if you are, if you are a fan at all, and I have to say, um, alternative rock is something that I think they do pretty well up there, and I think they still do pretty well up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they probably have more alt rock bands now than we do. Yeah. So uh, I would recommend anyone start looking for Canadian bands that you'd never heard of. You're you're gonna find yeah. some some surprises up there. Yeah, and not Canada is not nothing but Nickelback and Bare Naked Ladies. There's <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff. And don't get me wrong. I first of all I love Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. Two, I think Nickelback gets more crap than they probably deserve. It it become it became cool to make fun of them. And, yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, you cannot lie when when the the hero song from Spider Man Two comes on, or when it definitely came on back in the day, you were like. Fuck yeah! <laughs> here. Oh no, that's Chad Kroger, isn't? It? Oh, no, that is that is Chad Kroger and Nickelback. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, everybody, everybody, rock to him. Don't yeah. lie. You fucking rocked to Nickelback <laughs> back in the day. I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our next song, which was probably I'm guessing their biggest single off of this album, and it's definitely the one that I was first introduced to, and one, the one I do remember hearing on the radio. Yep. And that was called Life. How many times have your friends lay you down? Just open up your heart. Just open up your mind. How many times has your face slipped away? Well, is anybody safe? Does anybody pray? I have to say, I kind of understand why this song would be the most popular. It is such a positive energy song mm-hmm. um, and kind of uplifting and inspiring. And I, I think uh, I think that's why I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always kind of had a special place for me um, in my heart for this song. It's not my favorite on the album, but it's close. Yeah. Yeah. I, this was easily my favorite from the album when I was younger. Like mm-hmm. when I was first listening to it, um, I mean, seriously, you know, I was a teenager yeah. with, with the with the lines like how many times you've been pushed around. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fucking teenager. I get pushed around all the time. <laughs> life is waiting for you. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's you know, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Like it does. It speaks to you in a in, in a way that just fit really well with that time in my life. And I think mm-hmm. for and a lot of people, you can kind of you know yeah. make that happen. Um Yes, it hit number 27 uh, in the Billboard Modern Rock Chart, which was their highest charting single for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, it is their yeah their second um, single. Uh, and it was nominated for Best Single at the 2002 Juno Awards, uh, so which is the Canadian like Grammys, if you will. Yeah. Um, but they lost to another band we've already mentioned, Nickelback, How You Remind <laughs> Me. They lost to Nickelback's <laughs> How You Remind Me, so that was funny. Uh, and then uh, Maida said about, the, about this song, 
to, to him, it was such a central, simple premise. It's really about positive energy. Everybody deals with simple things that get people down, like money problems, etc. You just have to deal with stuff and turn any negative energy into positive energy, and that's the mm-hmm. way to get through life. And that's kind of his his take on the song itself. And you're right, though, you listen to it, and it's hard not to feel some emotion, but also feel by the end of it being like, okay, I can do this. Whatever it is, I got this. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's one of those songs that makes you feel both sad and yeah. happy at the same time. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. I mean, it, it, I like I, I like things that give me a gamut of emotions. Yeah, it's, it's funny when I when I talk about watching movies with my wife, she she doesn't love the medium of film as a way to express emotions all that well. Mm-hmm. She likes comedies she kind of wants to just i want to she likes just wants to have a good time with she likes surface level yes she is a very surface level um you know movie watcher i definitely dive deeper in it i want a film to give me every emotion i could possibly get i want to cry i want to be afraid i want Mm -hmm. to laugh i want to do and movies that can do you know one of those things really well awesome and movies that can do all of those in one film are the ones that just blow me away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are certain films that I think are magnificent films that really hit me with emotion that I actually will never watch again because they mm-hmm. were so powerful in one aspect. Um, uh, the Pursuit of Happiness, Will oh, Smith, yeah. dude, great yeah. movie. I don't ever want to see it again. Yeah, I don't ever, I don't ever want to feel like that. Yeah, it is intense. You're, you're definitely you're crying when he is holding the bathroom door shut and just yeah. like you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, um, uh, Requiem for a Dream yeah. is another one that's really, really intense and very, and intense. very um, you know, very kind of de- depressing kind of, you know, I mean, it, it ends in, in almost a worst case scenario for all the people involved and mm-hmm. it hits you hard because unfortunately that is sometimes how life ends up. Yeah. Life does not end up as a, as a happy ending all the time. In yeah. fact, probably not most of the time. <laughs> True. Requiem's got some very impressive editing and some unique yeah. editing styles I highly recommend. If anybody wants to, you know, just as a, as a student of film, check that out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I'm right. ready to move on. Let's go to the next song called Middle of Yesterday. So uh, Meta goes full nasal. <laughs> he does. That's exactly what I wrote down. I said, definitely that nasal quality coming out with this one. That's exactly what I wrote. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't put this in like my top tier of favorite songs on this album, but I have no problems listening to it. Okay. It's a, it's a well enough crafted song. Um, I enjoy I enjoy uh, kind of the, uh, the melodies that he puts together. Um, the kind of the weird dissonance at the beginning 
yeah. is almost a turn off, but yes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That was, I was like, that was the first, I, I okay, never go ahead, liked, go ahead. I never liked that opener. I'm like, <laughs> just start with the fucking guitar start. Do not give me this. You feel alive. You feel alive. I'm just like, now, not a joke. I actually, I this is on probably my top half of the album. I do, I okay. do very much enjoy it, and it's very angry. Um, yeah. This one, this one is much angry. It's just funny. We're getting a, kind of a, a range of emotions from that last one, where you get a lot of positivity. We talked about, um, and then this one, you get kind of some anger, and then the next one, we're gonna get a different emotion. It's even in the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I like this one. But you're right. That opener just it almost is like. <laughs> Can I get through this just to listen to the song? <laughs> and then by the time I think that it's done, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So this, I mean, this is this is a good song for me. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't put it in my top tier, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's not single quality, but it yeah. is. It is a good album. You know, solid. So I don't want to call it filler, but I do want to say good. It's just a solid song on the album. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump ahead to. The next one, Adam, are you sad? Just stop pretending when they say you're nothing. Are you sad? Are you holding yourself? Are you locking your mind? You I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This is my favorite song on the album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could tell when it when it wasn't right behind you, <laughs> and it was the other Mac. I was like, well, that it leaves one. <laughs> um, and I I think it's because of how this song makes me feel. Yeah. Um, I've I I do enjoy a good you know poppy standard song. Um, I enjoy a danceable song. I'm not a big dancer, but I enjoy you know the music that makes me want to dance. But I also enjoy sometimes those sad songs that make me feel. And this is one of them. Um, Rain Maida actually wrote it after he tr- attempted to get a hold of his brother for a week straight and could not get a hold of him, um, and was concerned about him because he was his. I guess his brother was like in his early twenties. He was unemployed, and he was worried that he was he was you know having bad thoughts. Oh wow! And I love and this is again. Rain Maida showing his vocal range. We're getting a lot of really high notes with mm-hmm. really low notes. He's really hitting that duality of high to low. And I appreciate that. And I think it really helps because the song is, is very sparse. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a little bit of drums in it. You get a little bit of bass, you get some acoustic guitar, but even that is very sort of subdued. It is, you get, it's, it's really about his voice at this point for this song yeah. that everything else. And it's weird to say everything else is just background noise. I mean, yes, that's the way a song works, but you know, it's not really featuring as much. We're not getting these cool riffs and licks. Mm-hmm. It's really just filler to support the melody that made a creative for the song. Yeah. Uh, we've already, we've mentioned, and you know, in multiple of our album reviews, we've, we've talked about different ones for us. Um, and it sounds like this one is fairly similar with both of us. The ones that, you listen to it and you kind of you get deep inside yourself and you yeah. just kind of listen. And this this was sounds like it, both of us had that with this one. Um, yeah, you get you feel the emotion and with his vocals, absolutely, it brings it out in you and you want to just sit or you know whatever or just be by yourself 
put on headphones if, if you can or whatever and just and feel and just fucking feel the song and this mm-hmm. this does it and it really does a really good job i mean slows things down big time from the kind of the angry of yesterday and then the positivity of life before it and so and we we've talked about we i, I we've talked about it multiple times and I'll, I'll probably never stop talking about it is I like some diversity with an album. I don't want, yeah. you know, it's like when when we did the Helmet album, I felt like, well, that's another fucking Helmet song, another fucking Helmet <laughs> song, um, where this one, you know, yeah, the, it all sounds like Rain Made, it all sounds like Our Lady Peace, but I'm getting a gamut of emotions in these, yeah. the, particularly these th- three songs back to back, which are not, I would say, encumbered um, by <laughs> one of the rk things that actually in in repair was before so this is four straight songs without one of the interludes and i think that stretch kind of really helps um can it feel the music even more for me and while while you you're still hearing rain in Mm -hmm. in each one he is kind of varying up his tone enough in each song for it to sound unique to itself Mm -hmm. so here like the last one we talked i think was, was the last one we said was very nasally yeah, yep. Um, this one, he is hitting his falsetto, but he's not, we're not getting as much of the nasal tone. We're getting a much more yeah. fuller, maybe a, a, ch- a chest tone. Um, I was never a vocalist, so I don't exactly remember all the stuff, but it's his voice sounds a little bit more fuller here. Mm-hmm. So it's it sounds like he was really kind of reaching deep down in order to get some of this stuff out. And you, you hear the difference for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I kind of like in this song to remember when we, we talked about um, what's the story Morning Glory from Oasis. There's a song uh, on that uh-huh. one called Cast No Shadow. And that was one of, that's one of my sort of, in, I'll call it a, like an introvert song. Uh-huh. The one that makes me look inside myself. This is the same way. Yeah. It's just, it's that one slow song on the album that really makes me want to stop and contemplate. Yeah. Just life. You know, whatever's on my mind at the time. Yeah, we exactly. We've each got, we've each got those. And for me, one of the ones that I always go to was when we talked better than Ezra. Killer Inside mm-hmm. um, was one that I always kind of deep inside. I mean, and this was this was on that same kind of playlist for me. <laughs> yeah, because you're a killer inside there. Exactly, <laughs> John. I've got I've got some dark fucking thoughts. <laughs> but luckily, I have a podcast to get all my energy out, so I'm not mass murdering. Exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, and then we get another interlude, uh, RK 2029 part two, uh, where he says there is a growing discussion about the legal rights of computers and one, what constitutes being human. And that is something that I think people have actually been debating for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm going to nerd out a little bit for this, and there is a s- episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Nerd. Yeah. Um, there's actually probably two that we could fit with this, but one of them was there are these little machines that this person has created in order to fix things. Like they're they're meant to go into places where humans can't go. And uh, if you know the character of Data, who's an android. Course. on the ship notices that they are displaying intelligence like they're they're problem solving mm. and so when the the scientist who created them was going to destroy them to start them over he basically says no these are living things and so the whole episode becomes a debate of what constitutes consciousness what constitutes yeah. al- being alive um, if you know, are, if something is self-aware, does that mean it's alive? And that's a debate that 
has you know has been going on for uh, as probably as long as we've started making things like this. Yeah, and probably will continue for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and then we move on to the next song. Sorry, that was <laughs> heavy. That was a way was- deeper discussion than I Woo. really intended it to be. Uh, next song, uh, which is called "Made to Heal." I fell back on you. really love this song yeah it's one i almost forgot about exactly and then you listen to it you're like oh yeah this one <laughs> it is really good great flow with this song as well yeah um i'm I, I, definitely definitely a fan of it i like how um and i don't know if this was intentional or not, or not um i like how on the, the the previous song and in other songs we get from rain this high to low and here we're almost mimicked with the guitar lick, boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah! So we're getting this this ooh, hit my microphone there. We're getting this up and down contrast from the guitar that's almost sort of mimicking what Rain has been doing with his voice. Um, whether that whether or not that is intentional, I don't know. But I you know in my head, I like to think that it's there for a reason. And maybe it was a, an unconscious reason mm-hmm. that it works. But for me, that part worked. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I didn't even um, see that kind of connection, but it makes it does, just fills it with further consistency of kind of like mm-hmm. well, all making sense with the with the flow of this album. I like that. But yeah, this is this is a this is a good gem for sure. Um, I've always really kind of enjoyed the lyrics for this one, um, especially kind of the again the pre-chorus. I'm a thief, a liar, an angel in the fire. I'm a king, a drug, a push comes and stuff. Um, a freak, a star. I'm everything. I'm your Jesus. I'm your pride. <laughs> yeah. And just, uh, you know what? I, I've always wondered, did this band start out as a Christian band? Uh, not Nothing to do with the fact that he yeah. says, I'm your Jesus. But <laughs> the, the, the phrase, the name Our Lady Peace is sort of indicative of maybe a Christian Vir- rock band. Virgin Mary kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they started out that way and they were like, you know, uh, we don't need to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, listening to their other albums, I don't remember any of that kind of stuff. You know what? I think that's probably what stopped me from listening to them when they first came out. Was I? I saw the name and I was like, "Oh, they're a Christian rock band." I, I don't. I don't. Why I don't would need, that? I don't why would that, that stop you? Na- <laughs> Come on, John. Creed rocked the '90s and early 2000s, and I. You know, I was a Creed fan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't need that kind of guilt in my life. I'm not. I'm personally not a JC fan, yeah. but I. But I'm a Creed fan. I'll give you that. Uh, okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, great, uh, great melody in the chorus too. They've got some really, really good hooks in their choruses. I really, yeah. I love that about this band. Yep. All right, we'll move on to our next little interlude, which is 1949 to 1997, and it just kind of talks about George Orwell yeah. um, writing the book 1984. 
Um, and they kind of he he kind of like gives us some like time stamps with this mm-hmm. one, um, talking about uh, the Griswold reading machine, which is the first print to speech reading machine. Yeah. Um, and then Deep Blue, uh, beating yeah. Gary Kas- Kasparov. I think it's Kasparov. Yeah, Kasparov. And chess, which I definitely remembered in yeah. 1997, that being a big deal. Oh no, we've been beat by machines. Listen. I've lost to the fucking Nintendo NES chess game (laughs) before. Being beaten by a machine in chess is is not Not a big deal. To me, it's not that big of an accomplishment. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, no, not at all. Um, And my note here, this this is the longest one of the interludes, and I wrote... Yeah, I'm pretty bored by these by now. Pretty heavily, (laughs) heavily bored by them. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next song, which is called Everyone's a Junkie. I'm not really sure, and I'll go ahead and say this now. I don't think there's a song on this album I don't like. Yeah. You're, I, I was honestly, when I was looking through the list of ones, I, I thought, oh, everyone's a junkie. This is the one I'm going to kind of pull out as my least favorite. And then I listened to it again. And I'm like, no, I like it. <laughs> it's, and the only thing is, it, and it's not marred by this, but the ending of the... The ending of the the sort of the the chorus and stuff where you get big green monkey, yes. everyone's chugging. That's the only weird part, and that's the part I remembered. And I was like, oh, I'm not gonna <laughs> like it because of it. But everything surrounding that, I'm I'm with you 100. percent That yeah. is the weirdest and worst part of the song. <laughs> and I've never analyzed the lyrics of this song, so I'm sure there's a meaning to it, and I just yeah. don't. It's 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 deeper than I'm able to comprehend at the at yeah. this moment. So I like I did look a little bit into it. Um, Apparently, a lot of the lyrics are alluding to the book 1984, and so okay. that's that's where a lot of the di- this different stuff is. Um, and now, Big Green Monkey, everyone's a junkie. I, I was trying to figure that one out in particular because it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's something to do with money. Big Green, Big Green Monkey being like the monkey on our back, the always right. the crave for money. I don't know, um, but I did find it interesting. You go back and listen to that. Um, uh, the RK 1949 to 1997 uh, mm-hmm. when they're talking about referencing 1984 and then this song having uh, a lot of the references. I mean, they tie in together. I went back and listened to it again. I was like, oh, yeah, so that must be. So maybe they set something up in the background of where uh, the RK uh, um, Kurtzweil's talking. You hear like a female girl's voice saying big green monkey. Everyone's a junkie. Doing that in in the in his talking section. Oh wow! So they that's not op- creepy or at all. <laughs> exactly, it's, 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 it's like that playground song type, which is, but it is yeah. like the creepy clown. <laughs> um, but so it th- so the the the, uh, the talking interlude and this one have some kind of tie-in, and I'm pretty sure it has to deal with just 1984 in general. 
right. Well, hopefully someday it'll, the meaning will will come to me. But until yeah. then, until then, I'm just gonna enjoy it as a song because yeah, it's exactly. still a good song. Exactly. <laughs> consistency. You're right. Consistency is the key with the music here. Yeah. Uh, and then we get our last official <laughs> yeah. interlude, uh, which was simply titled On Death, and it's just sort of a little thing talking about just talking about death and mm-hmm. you know why death is actually important. And we'll move on to the next song, which is called All My Friends. There's certain things I like about this song and certain things that bother me. Mm-hmm. First off, it's it starts very creepy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's intentional. You know, the whole the first line, all my friends alone on a hill, and you get this sort of you know, repeated guitar part, and it builds. What I do like about this is they they kind of blue ball you. <laughs> they blew because they build you, wait, wait, John. You enjoy getting blue balled? I no. I enjoy <laughs> Thanks for turning that fucking around, Adam. I'm um, sorry. Uh, musically blue ball. Okay. Um, they build to what's going to be the chorus, and then as soon as you think that they're going to bust through, they drop it down. That's called what? edging in the uh, in the porn industry. So it's got, this edging is when you get to the edge, and then you just, you don't you don't let yourself get there, but then you do that so that way it's going to be a when when you do drop. It's much bigger than ever before. Do I do I want to know why you know that? <laughs> I, I have an Have you edited cat. some porn films? I don't no, know. No, 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 no. I mean, just like in general, not just not just porn, but like you know, in sexual stuff, edging is when you come when you get to the edge, and then you don't go over the edge. All right, that's good to know. I didn't know I had a name. Yeah. But then, John, when you do release and you've edged for like hours, then it's just like, holy shit. I I think by that point, I think I just get bored and walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's let's talk about the the song some more. Uh, Please do. My thoughts about the song. It's it is a weird song, Uh, and and just kind of the the way it's 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 differently structured and it's differently. Um, just kind of sung and everything about it is it, it seems different, but that doesn't mean I dislike it. But what I do think is this uh, this song could not have happened earlier on the album, and mm-hmm. me actually enjoyed it. I needed the weirdness of some of the other stuff on this album to get here and be like, oh, this is so different. But you know what? I I'm okay with it by now. So I, yeah. I think that I think strangely, like the placement of this one works really well, and it actually helps the song and my enjoyment of it being so late in the album. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have too much to add. I mean, okay. it's it's probably I might actually say might be my least favorite yeah. on the album, but it's still enough. it's still very listenable. Yeah, and I can still get through it just fine. Yeah, I, I'm not edged by it. <laughs> okay, 
I mean, you're not you're not releasing, and you're not like you're kind of right in the somewhere in the middle. You're still stroking. <laughs> Is that it? I'd be stroking. You remember yeah, that song? I do. <laughs> I forget what that guy's name was. I, who wrote I that know. song. I remember hearing that in college and be like, "That's the dumbest thing ever." And then you go home and you're like, "I'd be stroking," <laughs> and you're like, "Fuck, it's stuck in my head." All right, let's move on to the next song, which is called If You Believe. We start out strong on this mm-hmm. song, and what I do like about this song is the contrast where normally in a song, your heaviest parts are going to be at your chorus, at your hook. Mm-hmm. Here, they've kind of reversed that. Yeah, you, You're getting this really kind of strong, big um, sounds, you know, volume-wise, filler-wise, um, sonically, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. in the verses, and then they bring it down for the chorus. For the if you believe part, mm-hmm. that contrast I really like. I think is yeah. really smart. Yeah, it is. It is different. I, I didn't think of it that way, but I, I like that. And you calling it out makes, um, yeah, just makes it a little bit better because of it. Uh, yeah, the back and forth from calm to hard I think works well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that style seems to fit, and you kind of we saw it a little bit throughout in different parts of this album. Um, so this is another really good one. It, it, there might be some religious undertones um mm-hmm. possibly with this song obviously the, the if you believe just kind of you know that that in, in in itself kind of adds a religion thing um but you know from what i saw in the lyrics possibly someone is giving up on a certain religion and finding something else uh from from what they're on this one but yeah uh I, another another solid consistent song yeah and then also in that contrast, sorry, I just kind of saying, mm-hmm. is you also get the contrast of his vocal styles. He's very full voiced yeah. for the verses, mm-hmm. and then he goes up to his falsetto yeah. for the chorus. Uh, I remember, Adam, when I stopped uh, believing in God and just started believing in bacon. Yes! <laughs> and that's who I worship now. Yes. Oh, bacon. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at this point I am probably 47% bacon. <laughs> Yeah, I saw I saw a meme that you put out not too long oh, yeah, ago yeah. that was yeah bacon is like sixty percent fat and salty and just like me just like, like me that. yeah <laughs> uh, okay. all right and that brings us to our final song sort of sort of yeah because <laughs> this is granted this is a two thousands band but is still very much rooted in that sort of nineties album sensibility. And there may or may not be something later. And this is song, ah, and this is a song called The Wonderful Future. Maybe she's gone, but it won't be for long. What do I know? Maybe she's found what we all dream about. Now 
I like what they've done here sonically with this song. Mm-hmm. Um, could you get kind of that? They they're kind of playing with the EQ mm. on this song in the background. Um, you, you know, you're kind of they're taking they're oh, taking yeah. the highs down yep. and then bringing them back up with a yep. lot of stuff. Um, one thing I really really love is uh, Jeremy Taggart's drum lick. His groove in this, uh-huh. um, it's kind of a it's in in drumming we'd call it a linear line. Okay. Um, and a linear drumming is when you create you're kind of creating a groove where no two parts of the drum set hit at the same time. So it's kind of a, it's a continual motion, but no two parts of the drum set are hitting at the same time. Yeah, I was kind of thinking of like how it goes. Yeah, that makes. Yeah. Um, the most famous linear drumming line. Um, is the one from 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. By Paul Simon. Uh, If you're familiar with that one, um, Steve Gadd's lick for that one is... that's, That's like the... That's the the one that everyone. If you're gonna start learning linear drumming, start with that one. Okay. Um, because it's kind of like it's the most famous one. But I like what they've done with. Well, I like the groove that he's created for this one. And then, I mean, it, it's the song as a whole. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I, I again, I, I like what they're kind of doing with the EQ in this one. There's nothing that's really stri- that really struck me with the vocals. Mm-hmm. For this one, I'm, we're hearing things that we've heard from Rain before. Yes. So. It's not yeah. anything good, but it's a, it's a, I think it's a good, fun, upbeat song to go out on. Yeah, I, I thought this worked really well as an ender. Um, it did, you didn't have a lot of that heavy electric, you know, uh, I, I guess I would say distortion guitar yeah. in this one. You kind of had that, that, um, you know, kinda, I, I, know, I know it's not linear guitar, but it, it, it had its own little, like, they go, that they would kind of have that with the drums kind of doing its own thing, yeah. but they kind of just melded together. It's the, it's very simplistic in its, because yeah. it's, you're, getting, you're getting very singular lines, not a lot uh-huh. of chords, mostly individual little parts, a lot of licks and stuff. You're getting some cool, like, pad sounds from the keyboards and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so it, it's not overly complicated. But it, it's still upbeat and uh, like exactly as you said, it's a good song to finish the album on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I wish they had done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, with this song, I think there's like the, so it's the wonderful future, and I think there's like there's there's, there's like a metaphor about like a female and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. maybe it's a robot machine female. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wasn't really thinking that. And I wasn't really diving too much into the lyrics, even yeah. when you listen to it. I just kind of enjoy it. Yeah. But then, but then that extra bit comes, and you're like, "Well, I guess, I guess it is a robot machine female <laughs> thing that they're kind of referencing." Yeah. So uh, the song ends, and you get a, little, a good bit of silence. Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes, and then the weirdest fucking uh, <laughs> secret song or secret part. It's not even a song I've ever heard. Yeah. And it's it's a discussion between Ray and a robot named Molly, and the fucking thing goes on forever. <laughs> it does, and like we we weren't introduced to Molly earlier on. Is like there's no, I don't know. She just kind of pops in, and like they're having this conversation, and like not a relationship or whatever. There's some kind of whatever it is. I don't like it either. <laughs> yeah, 
it doesn't really seem to fit with the other interludes that we've had. We've no. not we've not been introduced to this Molly character, um, and it doesn't. And yes, it has to do with machines, but it still does. It, it, it seems like he's trying to fuck the machine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, the last thing we had, they were talking about death, and then now we're into robot machine fucking. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it 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 didn't it didn't do that do it for me. Yeah. So I, it's a weird way to end this album, and I wish they had just ended on the song, mm-hmm. but uh, we have to talk about it because it's on here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this album, I really don't think you need to go out of your way <laughs> to mm-hmm. listen to the secret one unless you just want to hear the weirdness. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, just, just to get like the full effect for the first time, and then you'll just probably do what we did and be like, Oh, okay, yeah, this is weird. I'm just going to now pick the music. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's go into our final thoughts. I will go first and okay. let Adam have this. Um, I am so happy that, uh, Adam, you introduced me to this album because it has become kind of a staple of my rotation, minus the interludes, which I've take, mm-hmm. <laughs> taken out. Um, but the songs are so good across the board. Even even what would I would consider to be my least favorite song, it's still highly listenable and doesn't make me want to skip it and I can go through and most of the songs are not particularly over you know, horribly long. Um, Are You Sad is the longest one at just over five minutes, and that's one of my favorite that's my favorite one. So mm-hmm. even the you know, the ones that are not my favorites are really no more than four minutes. Most of them are about the three and a half to four minute mark, which is I think a good solid song. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these speak about uh, topics that I can relate to, and I'm always happen. I'm always I'm always happy to hear it when it comes on in a in a mix or in a rotation or something like that. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with you on just the talking portions. I respect the art mm-hmm. and and the 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 balls to try something like this. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the conceptual album is, a, is an interesting, cool thing, and sometimes it really works. And not to say this didn't work, but it's just, it was unnecessary for me. Um, and maybe if I had read the book, I would have been really into it, and I kind of, you know, would have gotten more out of that. But as as it comes to just the music, the music is fantastic. And you're right, from top to bottom, you cut out those interludes, and this is so listenable. Um, and it just, it does fit. You get a lot of range of emotion, as we talked about. And with some of like the the lyrical stuff, like you can pick out things that that can mean a lot to you. I mean, I certain certainly we both did with "Are You Sad" and mm-hmm. and life and other stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, it, it hit me in a really important spot in my life. You know, when you're you're that teenager trying to find your way, and this had a lot of those kind of elements um, in some of the songs that just made me fall in love with it. And I'm was really happy to have listened to it all the way through again, because I hadn't in a long time. I just haven't like gone mm-hmm. there. And because I'm, I like many people, I will either pick out singles or I, I make playlists. Yeah. And so I listen to a lot of playlists with some of my favorite songs and things like that, or just listen to like the radio or Spotify or whatever. Um, but I haven't sat through an album um, I haven't sat through this album in a long, long time. And so I listened to it back again. I was just like, man, I remember that song. I remember that song. This is good <laughs> stuff. Even the ones that, even the ones that I was like, I'm not sure ever I'm going to remember liking that one, but I only remembered that one damn line, big green monkey monkey, <laughs> everything else around it was fucking great. Yeah. And so this album, 
if you don't know the Canadian band Our Lady Peace, I think is a good one to get you going. Yeah, it's a little weird, um, but you're going to you can go what kind of I did, which was I went into the earlier realm of stuff. And then John, who kind of went a little bit later and he really loved the follow up album to this mm -hmm. one. Um, but this is an interesting album. Absolutely. To say the least an interesting album. And if you can listen to this one and you can pull out the stuff that, that we've talked about that, that has meant a lot to us or some of the, just the musicality of it is really cool. I think you are going to appreciate our lady peace. Very, very well said. All right. That was our review of the album Spiritual Machines by Our Lady Peace. Please join us next time as we're joined by Marcus Ellis from the Benchwarmers podcast to break down the 1998 film Blade, discuss the 90s Justice League cartoon, and recast our version of the Losers comic. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. La la la.